0: To me, this could go down if they continue this pace. This will go down as the greatest offense of all time.
1: And we are off and running with another edition of Chasing It. Glad you're with us. Trey Wingo here with Chase Daniel. And Chase, I think it speaks to where we are as a society, that we had a really interesting football game last night with a lot of twists and turns, but the thing that came out of the game between the Cowboys and Chargers was, who's that crazy Chargers fan, and, <laughs> and is it a paid actor? Like, that
0: that's, <laughs> that's sort of where we are. That that's the oh first thing gosh. that everybody sort of gravitates to. I mean, she was I mean, right when I saw it happen, she was an instant star, in my opinion. Like she like uh, first of all, how in the world does that get started? Like you're out there saying, Oh, she's a paid actress. There dude, the Chargers had to come out today and say, Hey, listen, we know who they are. They're season ticket holders. They buy those little cabana suites. Like she's just a diehard Chargers fan. All I could think about when I put it on Twitter was like this is all Chargers fans right now. Like, yeah. so excited, so excited, so excited. And I didn't, I didn't want to do it to the Chargers people, fans, but like, yeah. then there was the one that she was like really upset. And I could have been like, yeah. all Chargers fans right now too. And she is like, go, I mean, like, she's going nuts. I mean, she's, I mean, who knows? She's going to be in some commercials. She's the spokesperson for the Chargers from here on out. Well, the Chargers have actually changed their profile pick on Twitter to her. Like that,
1: and I gotta say, and I've said this before, I think the Chargers, the Chargers' social media account is one of the best in all of teams. Sports. Oh, yeah. like not just, not just football. Like, I'll put the Chargers' social media account up against almost anybody. Like, uh, when they drafted, uh, when they took all those TCU players, and you know, and the meme was, he's got that dog in him, they put frogs in the x ray and said, We've got that frog in us. I mean, like, the Chargers' account is so solid. So kudos to the Chargers. And yeah, everyone thought it was a paid actor. No, it's just a a fan. Remember, fan is short for fanatic. But unfortunately, unfortunately, Chase, that's sort of where you are as a Chargers fan right now. You lived it for a few years when you played there. It just feels like whenever there's an opportunity, sometimes we're just going to, they're going to pull the rug out from under you and say, yeah, we're not going to do it again.
0: Well, that's the crazy thing. It's like, you know, some stats were coming out this morning. It's like in the last two seasons, they've had six losses, less than three points. So it's not like they're getting yeah. blown out. Like all no. these games are really close. And yeah, I mean, it's just unfortunate because honestly, like you, Dak came out and said it last night, like it was a must win for them. And I, I go back and forth, like must wins and week six is like, okay, I get it. You, you don't want to lose back to back West coast games. You're going into buy. It makes a huge yeah. deal and it makes a huge difference but i just i just thought that it was it was a tough way to lose because their defense the chargers defense played their best game of the season and it wasn't yeah. even close and i know Dak played probably his best game of the season but overall when you hold a team to 20 points and the chargers had scored over 24 points in all for their other games like you expect to win, especially at home. And and you know, you say at home, and that's another thing that drives me crazy is that how Sofi Stadium have they stadium, ever played a home
1: game? Have they ever played a home game? That's what
0: I'm saying. SoFi Stadium is never a home game. It's just it's just yeah. everyone else comes in and takes over their stadium. I mean it was not, like 70% Cowboys fans and 30% chargers fan. I mean, I, I was flabbergasted. <clears throat> I'm gonna be honest with you. My first year there in 2021 at the wow. new stadium Every single home game, okay, we were using silent count. Every single yeah. home game. And I'm yeah. like, and every you know, maybe there's a few games that, that, that we'd go in pregame warm-ups and we'd be like, oh, guess what? We can use Cadence today. We're at home. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's just like, man, like, it just, I don't think it'll ever change. But, like, especially Cowboys fans in, in California, they're everywhere, man.
1: Well, it, but the only thing that I can say on that line, it's not just the Chargers. Like, Matthew Stafford. talked about the rams having to use silent counts as well so it's it's definitely it's definitely an la thing but but the chargers look for a while chase that game on monday night look you know that meme of two clowns fighting in the parking lot and they're just they're trying to fight like (laughs) if that's that's what that game felt like there was a great opening drive by the chargers went down and scored then the cowboys uh got a uh three and out and then they went and scored on their next possession so we had two really good possessions and then it was boatloads of nothing for a while and then in the yeah. fourth quarter it looked like it looked like both teams couldn't find what they were looking for if you get my reference and uh, <laughs> you know it was just it 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 was sloppy it was it was it, it felt like both of them were trying to give it away like the cowboys come up with that great stop Right, yep. and then they go back, and and the the, the punt is is muffed, and the Chargers get, like it just felt like the whole thing there was there was water in the gas tank.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and that's and and I, but I still come back to I tweeted it last night. And I know you probably feel the same way. It's like there was twenty penalties called in that game. Oh my like, god, like the brutal. referees, like for whatever reason, I don't know why, maybe. Maybe the NFL is? No, NFL's not scripted. But when you go to the, the London game, there was tons of flags out there, okay? Primetime yeah. game, they're trying to make a deal. And then you come back here on Monday Night Football, which is, you know, the premier game of the week other than Sunday Night Football. And then you just – it's just like – like especially if you're defense. Like, that's what – like, it's hard for me to say because a quarterback, but, like, these guys aren't getting a chance to play defense whatsoever. It's like – Every time there's a hit, a Derwin James or uh, some somebody Cowboys, it's a defensive hole. I mean, the fact that they just wouldn't let him play, and the refs are playing that big of a hand in a win for the Cowboys, it's just it just raises eyebrows, and it's just like yellow flags everywhere. You, you, I'm sure you saw the meme on Twitter. It's going around oh, yeah. like yeah. after the twentieth flag, it's just a flag. It's a it's a field littered with flags, and I'm yeah. like, that, that, at, at some point, you got to let him play. Right, but I
1: felt like the Cowboys had just as many penalties as the Chargers in that game. So, like, it, yeah. it did even out, you know what I mean? But, all right, so let, let's talk about specifics because a couple of things I took away from this, and I want to I want to get you read on this because I was reading something in The Athletic about this, and they basically said that loss was on Justin Herbert because of a couple of throws that he missed uh, to Keenan Allen, who was wide open at the time. Look, should he have made those throws? Absolutely. But I saw him make three or five or six or seven other throws that yeah. I thought... There's only three guys in the league that can make, and he's one of them. So it's it's hard for me to take two missed throws to Keenan Allen. Granted, he should have made them both. And one of them didn't matter because they got the muff punt back and they scored anyway. Um, but it's hard for me to say, yeah, this is on Herbert, because the kid has all the talent in the world. You, you know, you've been there with him. Like, are, are there any concerns for you about Justin Herbert as a quarterback?
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I thought, <clears throat> and if I'm just being – Unbiased, just an honest opinion. Uh, even though Herbert's my guy, I thought he played one of his more like not not, not so great games. I don't want to say worst games, yeah. but I, but I, but I did think that his accuracy was an issue last night. And I'm not saying that's usually not the case, like usually pinpoint accurate. And I'm not saying like even even some of the drops from the receivers, there were a few, but there were a few balls that maybe needs to be on the front shoulder that were on the back shoulder or low. And I felt like he was missing everything low or everything outside. He finally got into a little bit of a rhythm, but you saw those both of those double moves. From Keenan, which I thought was awesome. I thought the second one was awesome. Yeah. If you're actually watching the play develop, okay, Keenan comes in motion and Keenan looks back at Justin and goes, Let's do it. Or like something like yeah. double move. Because he just had yeah. an out route right on because they had been sitting yeah. on it all day, and he actually goes and does it, and, and you saw how like visibly frustrated Justin was. But I just come back to like an injury with the quarterback, right? Like Justin's non-throwing hand, fractured finger, middle finger, he's wearing a glove, it's it's braced together. And I'm not saying that, that probably is the reason he missed those throws, but it definitely weighs into it. You saw multiple times where he was falling on the ground and he was just falling like... Protecting he was, it. Yeah, he He's protecting protect it. He's yeah. protecting it. And I'm telling you, like, mentally as a quarterback, even if it's a small thing that doesn't have anything to do with your right side or your legs or anything like that, like, something like that is always in the back of your mind. And, and I want to say, like, some version of that injury... Um, really had an impact on his accuracy because I'm going to be honest, I've never seen him uh, as inaccurate as he was this past game.
1: All right, so yeah, I was, I'm glad you brought up the injury because I was going to say I think that was part of it. But also, look, they only got him once, and it was a, it was basically it helped seal the game when Micah Parsons came in late. But they were he was pressured constantly. Like one of those low throws yeah. you're talking about was a was the throw to the back of the end zone, and he had to get rid of it because Micah Parsons was coming on him like a freight train. So how much of that inaccuracy can you can you attribute to the fact that look the Cowboys only sacked him once and it was a it was really a, a huge one the second to last yeah. play of the game for the Chargers because the next one was the interception by Gilmore but how much can you attribute that accuracy to him having to get off his spot
0: Yeah and that's exactly what I thought the Cowboys did and and, and you look and it, it, the Cowboys one of the best pressure percentages okay Pressure percentages in the league the last two weeks, but only one snap sack. They didn't sack uh, Brock Purdy at all. They sacked Justin Herbert once. But the pressure percentage is the one that is affecting the quarterback. You may not get home because, you know, listen, Dan Quinn wasn't rushing six guys a lot. He was bringing five, no. and when he brought five and he would get pressure on him. That's when Justin was inaccurate. However, I did think, and I tweeted it as well, just from a, a, a bird's eye view, I thought his, Justin Herbert's, Um, Being able to move off the spot, evade pressure, get some first downs with his leg. I thought I saw uh, probably the best game of him on that that I've seen. But anytime you're off the spot as a quarterback, like everyone wants two and a half, three seconds to throw. That's just not the case with the Dallas Cowboys. That's why you saw more intermediate, shorter routes, in-breaking routes, because that's what Dan Quinn does. When he wants to get pressure, he will send five. He'll mug a linebacker up in the gap, and they've got games with Micah Parsons. That's what he did on the sack to to win the game pretty much in the two-minute drill because the next play, like you said, was the interception. Yeah. But it was interesting to me that, like, from my point of view, looking back on it, I thought Justin had his best game in terms of moving around in the pocket because he was only sacked once. But at the end of the day, you might have to move off the spot, but that's what the defense wants you to do.
1: Yeah, see, and again, this is mm-hmm. a little insight, just so you know, okay? Sacks are great. Pressure is more important. Pressure is mm-hmm. a much more important stat in terms of yep. uh, the effectiveness in a pass rush than sacks. Look, if you can get sacks, they're great. But if you can get constant pressure, like, again, they only sacked him one time, but anybody watching that game in film would say the Cowboys defensive line was a huge problem because they kept us from doing what we wanted to do with the pressure. Um, So a couple of other things here. Uh, We've talked about this with Brandon before. I, I don't think there's anything more certain in life than the fact that how much Brandon Staley hates field goals. Um, he just he had to kick one uh, at that point and it probably killed him that he had to do it in the second half <laughs> where are you on your concerns
0: for him being the coach after the season um after the season I don't know it's way too early to tell um did I love the decision to go for it even if analytics says no like and you look back and hindsight's always twenty twenty, but that's what we're going to do in the show. We're going to break it down, and and I thought he should have kicked the field goal because if he kicks the field goal, okay, it's twenty to twenty at the end of the game. The Dallas Cowboys yeah. are in the position to be going down there and making it a, 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 a like a game winning drive rather than Justin Herbert, okay. And so you got to understand in a game like this, there's so many different ways. Like like uh, like I love analytics, like I think it's awesome, but at the end of the day, you got to have some football smarts and the football mind to understand how this game is being played. Okay, this yeah. game last night you could tell from the start after the first touchdown drive it was a little bit of a sloppy game a lot of penalties the defense was going to win um, the game for him I mean you know 37 points combined the unders hit all week it was just one of those weeks in the National Football League where yeah. look there was not a lot going on point scored you got to sort of realize that when you're in it okay and say hey every single point is going to count this isn't a normal week this isn't a normal game because every game is different and I think coaches that understand that even if analytics and it's a green light says hey go on fourth and three even if analytics says that at the end of the day you got to use your mind your emotional capacity to understand like what's going on within the game and to kick a field goal
1: yeah and I'm glad you said that because you know they kept referencing that on the on the broadcast you know green situation fourth and three go and then you know the Cowboys scored a touchdown in that situation on Dak's 18 yard run so i get that but analytics should never tell you anything in my opinion they should give you a suggestion right they should give you like like if, if you say well the analytics said we should go for it then you're not understanding analytics in my opinion because what what that should be is like well this is giving you the the percentages, but you still have to make the decision based on other things that are not just black and white on the page, right? Which is what you're alluding to. And that's the thing that drives me crazy when someone said, well, analytics said we should go for it. No, analytics never say you should or shouldn't do anything. Analytics analytics or statistics give you the percentages, and then you have to face that percentage and feel how that goes into a game situation. And that is lost all the time, and it drives me crazy.
0: Well, analytics should be a guiding force. That's what we've always said. Analytics, at the end of the day, is not on the field. They're not in the situation. They can't underestimate, or they can't estimate, like what's happening or how this game is being played, because every single game is played differently. And that's what. Look, I I get it. Like, so many of these new head coaches are, but at the end of the day, there's a feel for the game. And and the best head coach I was ever around with that was Sean Payton. He would understand sometimes, like, even if it's backed up, and, like, all those years, like, it was always right. We weren't always going for it, but when we did, we'd always make plays on fourth down, and we'd always he'd always have, like, that knack. I just don't know if Brandon Staley has that right now. Uh, I would agree, because I feel like he goes for it all the time, and it doesn't hit a lot. Um, yeah. So I mean,
1: look, it did on the touchdown, and at the end of the game, I get it. But it just it drives me crazy, and I hate when people say analytics say this. Analytics don't say anything; they give you no, suggestions. Then you course. have to make exactly. the frickin decision. Yeah. All right. Uh, by the way, real quickly, we'll move on from this. I do not understand Mike McCarthy at the end of the first half. All right, eight seconds left he didn't call a timeout the, the clock operator apparently thought he was going to call a timeout because everyone would have called a timeout in that situation so instead of taking one shot with 8 seconds left in the end zone inside the 20 he just lets it run down take a timeout and kick a field goal take one sh- you had timeouts like even if you threw it underneath you you could have stopped the clock well, how you don't take an, a shot at the end zone there i yeah. will never understand
0: Did he ever come out and say the reason? Because I didn't hear anything at all. Yeah,
1: they explained it. They explained it. Joe and and Troy explained it after the half. They said, they asked Mike McCarthy about it, and and, and they said, I never took the first, yeah, two timeouts. And when the guy caught the ball with eight seconds left, the clock operator assumed he was going to use a timeout. And Mike didn't use a timeout there. He said, I was going to run down the three and kick the field goal. Take a shot, man. Like I, the explanation made it worse. I was look. I was hoping for some sort of wisdom
0: that would have explained yeah. it. Instead, I was like, nope. It was as bad as I thought it was. Like throw it up to C D Lamb. Like that, that. That. Some of this stuff. It. It almost is like. Listen, Mike has been doing it a lot longer than I've been alive, almost. And and at the end of the day, he gets it. But it's almost like. They're so these head coaches are so enthralled with what else is going on within the game that they almost forget. <clears throat> hey, listen, oh my God, like this is a big clock management situation. Like, okay, I need to really focus in, or like, hey, I need a guy up there in the booth helping me understand. Hey, it's two minute drill. I get that. At the end of the day, it falls on him. But like, like you said, why not call a timeout? Take a shot at the CD Lamb. Okay, we always use we we always used to have that situation. I bring it back. The best person I've ever been around, Andy Reid, in those situations, it was called trigger situations. Why is it called trigger situations? Look, it's no timeouts left, and you're within the 15-yard line, okay, on offense. We would go in and practice these plays nonstop. We would have called plays for these. There would be, like, two or three trigger plays, and it would be, like, post-corners, or fades, or everything had to be into the end zone. And Andy Reid's whole thing saying was, hey, as a quarterback, you get one hitch. Okay, so you take five, one hitch. The ball has to be gone because there's like 10 seconds or nine seconds. We don't have a timeout. It's incomplete or it's a touchdown. There's no interceptions. You're not completing it short of the goal line. We would constantly practice those plays we had a we had a play in a preseason game against arizona in 2015 where we ran a post corner to frankie hammond it was a trigger situation we were in eight-man protection it was a two-man route and we ended up scoring on and he still uses that tape today to teach that type of stuff so i don't understand why more coaches aren't following that situational awareness it's just it's flabbergasting to me
1: made no sense but they got away with it the cowboys could win they desperately needed heading into their bye. all right couple of other big games. The Cleveland Browns take down the San Francisco 49ers. And I I don't think people, Chase, truly understand how good the Cleveland Browns defense is right now. Look, everyone's enthralled with the 49ers defense or the Jets. I I had someone tell me, I'm not going to say his name because I respect him. I texted (laughs) me that. Say it! (laughs) No, can't do it. I love him too much. (laughs) He texted me and said, "Is is the Jets' current defense the greatest defense of all time? The most talented defense of all time? And I was like bro what are you talking about they're oh, really good they're really good but you, this is not the 85 bears this is not <laughs> the 2000 ravens or the 2000 <laughs> titans or the 2002 bucks or the 2015 no fly zone for the denver broncos like yeah they're good but let's pump the brakes here cuz i would argue that i think cleveland's defense might be the best defense in the nfl right now and the what the, the reason i say this okay san francisco came into that game having won eight straight games scoring 30 more points in eight straight games That's the fourth best streak of that kind all time. They gave up 125 passing yards to Brock Purdy. Why is that significant? They've given up 125 passing yards on average in every game this season. 125, okay? (laughs) The last time we had a defense go through a season giving up 150 yards per game was the 1982 strike-shortened season. You have to go back to a full season. The last time that happened was 1980. Now, I get it. It's six games in. I understand that. But what we're seeing from this Cleveland defense is a suffocation of everything the NFL wants the game to be, an
0: aerial assault. Well, <clears throat> look, I'm gonna be honest. Like when I when I heard that stat about the hundred and twenty-five yards passing given up, like most like some of these like air raid offenses, like they're getting that in a quarter. Correct. Okay. And 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 for them and the Browns and Jim Schwartz, like Man, is he th- that's another thing we gotta talk about later. Maybe not this but like is he is he like working his way into another head coaching gig because he's the way he's great. doing it, he's been he's been outstanding. Now they have the players, okay? They have the players. But when I watched, I went back and I watched all 68 San Francisco 49ers offensive snaps. And I didn't watch it from a Brock Purdy perspective, because I'm sure we'll get into that later. I watched it from just a pure defensive standpoint. And I came away, the number one underlying theme that I came away with watching that was their pass rush, man. Like these quarterbacks are so sped up. They sped Brock Purdy up. Almost every single drop back, okay? And when you're sped up as a quarterback, you may have the first read to go to, and that is it. Like, run out of the pot. That's exactly what Brock Purdy was. Or there's a few times and a few drops that they had that could have been a little bit better. Like, where Brock Purdy's throwing off his back foot, he's doing the old chuck and duck. He's getting smoked, and he's trying to throw, like, a, a deeper to intermediate route down the field. Well, that's not the case. So all these... Underneath defenders, they're not playing this too high shell look. They're playing three deep, five under, okay, four under, to where there's more underneath defenders. They're pressing the outside corners. So what does people do when they need, what do offenses do when they need to get the ball out quick? Go to quick game. Right. Well, quick game. They they tried that. They're just suffocating them on defense. There's nowhere to go with the ball. It's all this match zone type look. So it feels like man outside and these four underneath defenders are working in tandem to pass things off. And it's just it starts with, you know, that pass rush. It's just like they're getting home. And so I, I came in. I'm like, okay, like they haven't really faced many quarter. I'm like, well, then you'd start looking at it and start like, well, man, it's hard to find. One completion, like, like Kyle yeah. Shanahan's completions that that, Brock, that he got Brock Purdy on, they were these big naked run fakes, outside the pocket, scramble drills. There was very few that he would just drop back and just throw, and it was fine and open. Yeah. So what he's doing over there right now, it, it, is, it is easily the best defense in the National Football League. Like, I was really impressed.
1: Yeah, and, and, you know, people will say, oh, well, you know, Christian McCaffrey got hurt and Debo got hurt. Well, he got hurt because I got knocked around by a really good physical defense. I mean, that's part of the equation, right? That, that, that's part of this here. Um, but in the loss, I do think there's a silver lining for San Francisco. And it's easy to be good when everything's working. What i what I'm always impressed by is when the shit isn't working and you find a way to do what's necessary. They yeah. lost the game. And Cleveland deserved to win the game. But I was more impressed with Brock Purdy in that game than almost any game I've seen him play. And I'll tell you why. We just mentioned CMC's out. Debo out. Trent Williams, his left tackle, was banged up in that game. But he came back and played. So now he needs needs a score to win in a two-minute situation against what we just said we think is the best defense in football right now, the Cleveland Browns. And without two of his best playmakers – he marched them right the, down the field and set them up for what was essentially uh, a long extra point. It was a 41-yard field goal. Yes, a 41-yard field goal, okay? So yeah. he missed it. The kid missed it, and, and he missed another one at the, at the end of the half, a well, 54-yarder, so he had a bad day. But this is what you want your quarterback to do. You want your, to me, quarterbacks are paid to, to, on third, to win on a third down, to win in uh, the red zone, and to, to win in the two-minute drill. Brock Purdy did his job. He, he put the team in a position to win the game. They just didn't win the game. I was more impressed with what Brock was able to do in an ugly game and scrap that out than all the flowers and bouquets from the three touchdown passes to, to Kittle the week before.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's such a fair assessment. And I came away after watching the Browns defense. I rewatched it and just watched Purdy. And there was a number of drops. uh, uh, Ayuk had two big drops that could have added another 60 to 65 yards passing to the day, put them in a better situation to win the game. But... Honestly, think this was a growing uh, and a teaching moment for for Brock Purdy and the fact, like, hey, hey, like when things aren't going right, when I don't have my guys, I'm still able to stand in there, and when I need it the most, I'm able to drive my my team down and kick a game-winning field goal. And quite honestly, like yeah. that should have been a come-from-behind comeback win for the ages for Brock because the way they played the first three quarters were not that great. Cleveland yeah. hung around enough, which is the exact game they wanted to. But at the end of the day, it's on the kicker, man. Like, like I went away. I, I walked away from Brock Purdy's um, game c- compared to what he did in Dallas. And then this game, like I know there weren't a lot of completions to be had. Everyone's going to talk about the numbers, a touchdown and interception. The interception was bad. He threw it behind them. But if you look on every single play, that interception, they had a dagger route. We're gonna do a little breakdown right here. They had a dagger yeah. route from the outside. And they had a through route from the inside, okay? And I watched it and watched them like, why was the throw behind him? Why was the throw behind him? They were in a too high coverage coming down to Rob, okay? Rodney McLeod, the right safety, was coming down to Rob. This through route, okay, I think it was Jennings, I'm not exactly sure, was supposed to run right through the safety. Okay, Jennings leaned on the nickel, didn't run through the safety. And so you got like three guys, including CMC, out of the backfield on a little turn route. You have three guys in the lane for Brock Purdy to throw the football to. So when I'm looking at it, I'm like, man, it just looks uh, like really messy. And anytime anything's a little bit messy for a quarterback, it's going to be a little bit behind him. So he threw it behind him. It should have been a huge gain. If the through route just does his job, takes out Rodney McLeod. Like, it's a huge right. gain for Brandon Aik, who just continues to still run, might run out the back window and back door. So all these plays that people want to put on Brock, it's not all on Brock. There's so much more to it. All right, speaking of so much
1: more to it, and then we'll move on to the, the Jets after this. Uh, Deshaun Watson didn't play, okay? Didn't play again. He's been medically cleared to play the last two weeks. Medically right. cleared. It's pain management thing. I'm not. And I'm not suggesting anything other than I'm asking a question. Deshaun Watson has been given everything. Literally everything. A contract we'll never see again in the NFL. A franchise who gave up everything to get him with his excessive baggage. And he did not play well last season. They have gone out there and grinded out wins for the Cleveland Browns. And I'm sure everybody is not feeling great right now. At what point might there be a situation where... Deshaun's decisions to not play become an issue for the Cleveland Browns.
0: Well, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I think it was already an issue, and I think it was already an issue because DTR, okay, their their rookie quarterback who they like a lot, who played really well in the preseason, he got zero snaps the, the week before, prior, okay, yeah. two weeks ago. He got zero snaps in practice because Deshaun thought he was going to play. Got, and, then, and then you throw DTR out there, which then ruins his confidence and gets completely obliterated, okay? And you have yeah. the head coach at the time saying, hey, Deshaun Watson – uh, I thought he was going to play. Didn't love that on Stefanski because it's throwing your quarterback under the bus. But at the same time, yeah. as you, if, you're, if you're a head coach, how do you not know that your starting quarterback is not going to play? And then this week, they make the right decision in my mind and put PJ Walker, who is at least a veteran and has seen a bunch of things. And and honestly, like probably won another start because they should have won that game. I know he didn't play great, but played well enough against a really good 49ers defense. But it's just a weird situation. It's like Hey, you're cleared to play, but if you're Deshaun, your shoulder doesn't feel right, like okay, like I can't really reach in to Deshaun and be like, "Hey, yeah. okay, it's it might it might be worse than even Stefanski or the team thought." But at the end of the day, you're the team, you're the head coach, you're responsible for that. So you put Deshaun Watson and you put your team in a bad situation by doing that. It's a mess,
1: and it's a mess. And again, it's he's he's been medically cleared for 2 weeks. He's been medically cleared to play, and, and this thing is this thing is going to be uh, it's going to be interesting going forward. We'll see how the dynamic there plays out. <laughs> now, the other big win, obviously, was the Jets. Uh, Jalen Hurts uh, has three, two, three interception games in his career. Both at MetLife Stadium. One, one against the yeah. Giants a couple of years Giants. ago. One against the yep. Jets, which is a little crazy. Um, the Jets, Zach Wilson played better. Okay, he played better, but it, yeah, it's still. Yeah, yeah. Just, but they yeah. still, they it, it was still everything was about the defense. Like there were yeah. so many opportunities that the Jets defense gave them to make one play, one drive. And you know, Chasey had a couple of good throws. There was that uh, uh, sideline route, the, the 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 rail route down the end yeah. where they were backed up. That was, he he wouldn't have even thought about making that throw uh, no. earlier this year or last season, and he made it and it hit with Garrett Wilson. It was great, but. It it once again took a superhuman effort by the Jets' defense to save their season. And I'm sure you did. You heard what Robert Sala said after the game, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we embarrassed all these quarterbacks. we (laughs) we, we, We went through a gauntlet
0: of quarterbacks the first six weeks.
1: And we didn't get all the wins, but we embarrassed all of them. A, love you, Robert Sala. B, respect you for being with your guys. C, calm the F down. Okay, let's 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 run through the gauntlet. Okay, Josh Allen, very good quarterback. Dak Prescott, okay, good quarterback. Mac Jones, definitively not a good quarterback. Russell Wilson, uh, not anywhere. Even though he's playing better, not anywhere near where he was. Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts has been a little off this year. Patrick Mahomes did throw two interceptions, but Patrick Mahomes made every play he needed to for them to win the game. So he yeah. wasn't embarrassed. And Dak Prescott ripped you guys to shreds. Yeah, so Dak I, definitely wasn't I, I, embarrassed. D- 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 CeeDee Lamb had 140 yards in yeah. that game. So look, I love you, Robert. I think you're a
0: great guy. Tamper it down a little bit. Well, you know, he went on Good Morning Football this morning and sort of apologized and said, well, not really apologized, but said, hey, that's the, probably the wrong wording that I used was embarrassed. But I get it. Like, he's pumped up. I mean... Probably their biggest one of the, I mean, it is their biggest one of the year. You beat the undefeated Eagles and the yeah. way that defense is playing. That's, it just brings me back to like, look, I, okay. Like you might think Zach Wilson played, you uh, I would say that his confidence he is growing better. He played better. I'm not saying he played great. He played yeah, better. His confidence is growing. And I agree with some of these throws. He wouldn't even make those the first few weeks. So no. he's growing and he continues to need to grow. But I still am of the fact like, dude, these jets like are just a quarterback away. They're no. like, I just, it's not Zach Wilson. I just like, how no. can you go into the season if you're the Jets and this might piss some people off, but you have Aaron Rodgers and then who else you have Zach, you have Zach Wilson behind. And I know they're, they, they drafted him. So they don't want to like ruin his confidence. And I think his Second confidence is coming home. back. But at the end, but at the end of the day, like if you're all in for this Super Bowl, which they are 100% when they signed <laughs> Rodgers and did all that stuff, like to me, you got to have a better backup. That that's what yeah. it comes down to. But that defense that defense is, it was suffocating and they made Jalen hurts. Um, they, they made look two of the three interceptions on Jalen hurts were not his fault. The last one is the one throw he wants back. You know, the jets are showing all out pressure, man coverage, all these mugged up linebackers in the gaps. They end up dropping to a, like this tricky cover three look and the flat defender and the hook curl defender are so close to Dallas Goddard. Like, yeah. So insanely close, and for whatever reason, he might not have seen it. But I will say that's the throw he wants back. But the game completely changed when Lane Johnson got hurt. Make no Absolutely. mistake about Absolutely. it. Jalen Hurts is not used to. I mean, because that offensive line, in general, is like top five in the league for me. Okay, like they really are. Yeah. And when Lane Johnson went out, they tried to chip. They tried to. But it just it just completely changed the whole aspect of the game. And Eagles fans don't even know it. But I'm telling you, go back and watch. He was sped up from that time when he got hurt early on in the game. And it's a big loss for the Eagles.
1: Listen, people always say Lane Johnson is the best right tackle in football. You can make the argument he's the best tackle in football. He just happens to play right tackle. 100%. I mean, that, that, that's how good he is. Um, we'll get to, we'll get to uh, Jalen Hurts in a second. Because I think there's some things we need to talk about there. But for the Jets... Uh, you mentioned Robert Sala on Good Morning Football. He also was asked about Aaron Rodgers, who obviously is uh, you know, seen walking around and throwing football. And is it possible he can come back for the end of the season? And Sala gave the old, hey, don't ever doubt him, you know, that only yeah, adds fuel to his fire. I I don't see it. Like I it would be I'll I give it a one percent <laughs> chance. I'll give him a 1% oh, chance, one percent chance. Okay,
0: all right. We've uh, got a but 1%. but the
1: but the odds of this happening, the odds of Aaron Rodgers, everyone needs to understand and not be hopeful, be realistic. Because yeah. uh, you, you can you can say you're attacking this. All that's true, but at the end of the day, shit's still gotta grow back together. Okay? <laughs> like that that's the part of it yeah. no one can get around. Okay.
0: Well, I mean, you're t- so you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah, that's basically <laughs> it's it. Like... That's basically it. And <sighs> Yeah, I mean look, I think it would make an amazing storyline. Like if Zach Wilson can keep them five hundred-ish or a couple games above, yeah. like I think that I mean, anything's possible. Don't know what he's dealing with over there, but it's just realistically for that to happen when an Achilles, which is a major we've talked about it before on the show, major yeah. injury. Okay, major injury. Um and then and then and then, you know, I'm just these, these Jets fans, these poor Jets fans, because J- Aaron Rodgers posted an to Instagram it. today and a yeah. tweet today that said progress. Yeah. And so the amount of hope right now in Jets Nation is through the roof. I'm here to bring you back down. The chances of it yeah. happening, me and Trey agree, 1%. Like, don't get 1%. your hopes up. Yeah. Don't get your hopes up, man.
1: Yeah, be happy. There's progress, but don't, tra- yeah. don't Don't do the transitive process, right? Like, okay, well, that he's just means this. teasing. Well, he's just, just teasing, teasing this, these Jets fans. That. Yes, yeah. like what? And, and that's so cruel. That's so cruel of them. They they know cool. nothing but pain. They know nothing cool. but pain. Like Jets yeah. fans are that line from The Princess Bride. Life is pain. Anyone that tells you otherwise <laughs> is selling something. Okay, that's that's what it is to be a Jets fan. That's all they know. So um, true.
0: As for oh, Jalen Hurts.
1: Okay, with those three interceptions, Chase, he already has more interceptions this year seven yeah. than he had all of last season six. And I was talking about this with Eric Mangini, and Eric brought up a great point. I want to get your perspective on this. Jalen Hurts was awesome last year. And if Pat Mahomes didn't exist, he would have been the would have been the MVP. Now, they gave him the big contract in the offseason. And Eric said sometimes when you get that big contract, you feel the need to justify it. You feel the need yeah. to show that you are worth it when in reality you showed you were worth it by what you did before you got the contract is that something that people go through in your in your experience they get this thing and they feel pressure to be more than even more than what they were
0: well like like you're saying they're trying to they're pushing too hard they're they're, they're pressing and 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 i i'm seeing a little bit of that on film with jalen hurts um, but I've had, I've had it go the opposite way where people work their entire lives for a huge contract like Jalen hurts and they just chill out and they relax yeah. and they're just like, Hey, I'm good, man. Like I got my contract. Not, not a lot of quarterbacks do it, but Albert Haynesworth, man was like the hundred, first hundred million dollar contract ever. He Albert was Haynes the guy
1: worthless. That was yes. Uh, he, Albert <laughs> Haynes worthless is what he became. great guy.
0: But I mean, dude, when he got the money. That wow. I mean, guy he stomped, literally he, was stomped,
1: like, he stomped on players' heads, so I don't know how great of a guy he is. Like he tried yeah, to kill yeah. Andre
0: Girard on the field of play, but whatever. But, if, but if I'm but if I'm Eagles fans, I I like that he is actually. I mean, uh, he's trying to do more probably than he than he can. But I, I would just say like to Jalen, if he's listening, like, and, and I hope you're listening, man, because we got some good information for you. But like, dude, just don't press. Just be yourself. Just go out there, be yourself, yeah. because you are surrounded. By probably the best um, offensive skill weapons as a whole, including and I say skill weapons, I mean the offensive line too, like the ten other guys around you, they can make plays. Just go out there and do what you do last year, and what was that? Just be a point point guard. just yeah. just give the ball to people like and take out, like there's been a, it seems to me that like the past few games, there's been a lot more, especially the Rams game, he was running around a lot more that game, maybe because stuff wasn 't open, he was using his legs. I love that. That's what you do when stuff doesn't break down. But just go out there and just remind yourself who you are. Like, dude. And, and, like, that's to me, uh, I don't know. Did you see the speech that they they did in the locker room after? Like, hey, like, this stuff ain't good enough. Like, all this stuff. And to me, it's like, dude, you lost one game to a good Jets defense. Like, a little bit overreaction, in my opinion, um, so I, like, I don't know, like to me, that was a little bit weird. Cause it's like, Hey, like we didn't play good well enough. Like let, let's keep it rolling. Now that could be like a rallying cry within the locker room. But like, yeah. to me, like if I've ever heard an overreaction, it was how the Eagles in the locker room sort of over and people love that fans love that. But I, if I'm a player in the locker room, like, dude, we just got beat. Ba- we barely lost. Yeah. We got, we turned the ball over four times. Like it just wasn't the our sh- game. This, let's move on. This shit is hard. Okay. Like everyone, everyone yeah. thinks it, it,
1: like, it's, it's really hard. What 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 it takes to winning? It's really effing hard. And then you get a game like the Cowboys Niners game, and it's the, and fans are like, "Well, that's the way we should play all the time." No, no, most game, no. most games are freaking drag out fights, and you just gotta gut it out to get a win. I agree. Like, yeah. don't, don't There's gonna be. There's only been one perfect team. There's a reason. There's only been one perfect yeah. team. So, it's and hard. by the way, we have a huge Sunday night game coming up now between the uh, between the Eagles and the yeah. Dolphins. And, you know, it's so funny the way Miami is loaded right now. They spot Carolina 14 points as a 14-point underdog, and now it's going 42-7 to seven for the rest of the game. And the only other seven they got after that 14 was a pick six with a backup quarterback. So, you know, but they lose Achan. No problem. Mostert comes in and does the exact same thing. Like the Eagles, uh, maybe, and maybe this is why that postgame speech was part of it, because they know they need to get themselves correct, because playing the Miami Dolphins, that's – to me, the Dolphins' offense right now, Chase, is on par with the Chiefs of 2018, 2019, the greatest show on turf, Rams, the 2007 Patriots. Like, yeah. they will do whatever the
0: fuck they want, and you yeah. can't stop them. Well, and, and that's what's wild to me. Like, I, I, like, I, I want to read these numbers because to me, when I saw these numbers, I thought they were fake. Okay, the Dolphins are offense, seriously, I was like, there's no yes. way, there's no way. The Dolphins af- offense averages eight yards a play. No other team even averages six yards a play, okay? They have 2,992 yards on 374 plays, exactly eight yards a play. No other team in NFL is not even close, okay? Both teams, the Bills and the 49ers in second place are 5.9 yards per play. The gap of over two yards per play between them... First place and the second place team is bigger than the difference between the second place and the last place team. Unbelievable. What are like Dolphins have 15 passing touchdowns, 15 rushing touchdowns, both first in the National Football League, and they're first in the NFL and first downs with 147. To me, this could go down if they continue this pace. This will go down as the greatest offense of all time. And that's when if I'm Eagles fans, like I'm like, oh man, because they are literally doing Whatever they want to. It's unbelievable the amount of open space there is Tyree Kills on, on pace to shatter records. He should be in the MVP race. The fact that he's not even mentioned is crazy to me because what he's doing, it's like, oh, a casual 150 every single game. I mean, they have weapons left and right. And the way Mike McDaniels and, and Frank Smith are, uh, are deploying them is, is at yeah. is an insane rate. Because, like dude, like if you have one game... In the NFL, if you're averaging over every single play you have over eight yards, it is an excellent offensive game. You come into the meeting the next morning, and the, the coaches are like, hell yeah, they're doing it for the entire season so far, which is wild to me.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's really – I mean, there's so much fun to watch. And, and uh, you know, you can make the argument when you look at their schedule, you know, but you can only play your schedule, right? You can only play your schedule. Yeah. Right? They play – obviously, they put up 70 on Denver <laughs> – uh, they toyed with, with Carolina. But, you know, they went to Buffalo and they had a difficult time. The Eagles are yep. gonna be a different test for them. The Eagles are gonna be a different test for them. But also the Dolphins are gonna be a very different test for the Eagles, right? Like uh, yeah. that that's that's the one thing when you look at all those insane numbers, you can say, okay, but, right? The Eagles will tell us a lot, I think, about where where this offense may stand when it's all said and done.
0: Yeah, I'm taking the over in that game, whatever it is. <laughs> I don't I don't care if it's seventy, I'm taking it. <laughs>
1: no, I, I think I think that would be a safe bet. So if things look great for Miami and things are still fine for Philadelphia, uh, what the hell with Buffalo? And it, let's just, first of all, let's just even forget about the Giants because they are now they're irrelevant. They're done. They're, they're, their season is over. We can all. It's true, you know, uh, the debacle at the end of the half at the first and goal from the one, plus the end of the game first and goal from the one. They couldn't quite figure that out either time, but. I'm more concerned about Buffalo than I am about the Giants after that game. You got yeah. you, you, you yeah. lost you lost in Jacksonville. You had a home game against a Daniel Jones less New York Giants team. And I look, I like, get yeah, Teron Taylor's a pretty good quarterback. Like yeah. he can he can do some things in the NFL. Some could argue maybe he's a better option than Daniel Jones. Okay? You can make that argument. Yeah. It's still the backup quarterback. Okay. You're the Buffalo frickin' Bills. And you were shut out by the Giants defense for three quarters. Yeah. First of all, let's, let's start there. How much of that is a concern or how much of that, in your opinion, is Brian Dayball knowing how to handle Josh Allen having worked with him all those years?
0: I think it's both. I think it's, yeah. it's definitely a concern because it's like <clears throat> you go and you, you don't know what Bills you're going to get. Are you going to get the Miami Dolphins Bills, which they were yeah. all world beaters that day? Or are you going to go to London and get like beat by Jacksonville? You're going to get shut out almost through three quarters for, for, for the Giants. But I do, I do think that, and that's, that's what I pulled from that game. If you've been an offensive coach at a system, you know what works and what doesn't. Okay, against certain quarterbacks, and I think that's what we saw last night too. Going back to the Chargers and the uh, Cowboys game, like you sort of saw that offensive guy who knows what's happening and knows how to shut people down. Well, it happened in that game uh, with with Buffalo, but at the end of the day, I'm worried about it because it just doesn't seem like they have that pop on offense. Now, there's games that 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 you know it's hard to break down, and there's games that they have, you know, the Miami Dolphins 42 or whatever points they put up, but at the end of the day, it's like, hey, Josh Allen looks a little bit, and I don't want to say all the time, but it looks a little bit like a shell of himself. Like even on the sideline, like that's why I look at, like I, I look at the demeanor when you're sitting down. Are you out there talking to your teammates? Are you, are you rah rah? Well, you don't have to be a rah rah guy, but are you, are you pumping up your teammates? He just sat there with a blank stare on his face. Yeah. For most of the game, like hey, hey, like I want a guy, and I'm sure he is, but I want a guy up there that's hey, like I'm going to be the reason why I get out of this little funk. And I don't know if it has to do with the play caller, if it has to deal with maybe defenses are starting to try to figure out how to play Josh Allen in the Bills. But for me, it's a major concern moving forward. With the Bills they need to get this fixed and get it fixed fast.
1: Well, I, we, I feel like we do this every year with Buffalo, and, and granted, they yeah. lost Week One uh, when it went to overtime, but they usually come out of the gate really strong. They were three and one. And then they just sort of go through this funk in the middle of the season and they pile up losses, which, which take them from potentially being the number one seed uh, in the AFC to having to you know, play wildcard weekend and then go yeah. on the road. And it, it, I feel like for as many good things as the Bills have done in this sort of reclamation project of the franchise, if you will, they don't have anything to show for it. Yeah. Right. They don't have anything to show for it. They, they have one AFC championship game appearance. In this, and for as good as this team has been, that's not good enough. So what oh. is it that's it just? It feels like something is not right, and I don't know what it is. You mentioned Josh and sort of his demeanor. It just feels like there's this thing that's missing from the secret sauce right now.
0: Yeah, and and I I am having a very difficult time placing my finger on it because I have no idea. Like they've got the players. They've got the coaching. There hasn't been a lot of change. You've lost a few players in free agency. That defense is still pretty good, in my opinion. And it just seems to me, I mean, like when you say it like that, and they can only win like, you know, they've only had a one AFC championship game appearance. And it's just like constant talk about the Buffalo Bills the last three years. It's just like, well, yeah, you're right. They don't have anything to show for it. And like, you know, when's the time going to come? Because right now, I mean, it just doesn't, it just doesn't look good. And it's so hard to pinpoint. Like, like usually I can tell you exactly what I'm seeing. It's just, it's hard. It's like, you don't know who you're going to get. You know, it's like the, it's like, uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's very disheartening because I know for a fact that they're, they're working their asses off to get stuff fixed. But eventually you got to put it you got to put it on paper and you got to put it on the field and you got to be able to yeah. do what you do. And, and it's just, I'm not seeing that right now. It's really well, here, hard to pinpoint
1: here. are Their next few games, right? They got the Patriots in new England and the Patriots are historically awful right now. And we've talked about yep. that before, by the way, their sequence at the end of the game against Vegas, when they were backed up and needed to score was, wow. uh, was a, whole, uh, a penalty, a drop pass, a penalty <laughs> and a safety. Like that was safety. That was, <laughs> safety. That, was oh. that was the end of the game for them. The, the the offensive ineptitude in New England is off the charts bad. So you would say, okay, that's a game that, that should be that's a get a right game. But yeah. the but, but the Giants game should have been a get right game. The Giants game should have been a be- get right game and it wasn't. So they got they got the Patriots in New England. Then they play Tampa Bay, who you know lost to Detroit, but Tampa Bay is going to give you a good shot. Yes. Then they got to play the Bengals, then the Broncos, then the Jets and the Eagles. So like, you better fix this.
0: Wow. Like you better fix so You it better fast. get a couple wins early in that in that yeah. stretch because you don't know what's going to be. And yeah, I mean it's it's a gauntlet toward the end of that, but you better fix it fast, like you were saying. And it just comes down to like this league is such a week to week league. Like, I don't care what you did. I mean, the parity in this league, that's what makes it so great. Like, we've been a part of many I've been a part of many teams where we should beat the brakes off of a team. And we go in, we we're, we're double digit favorites. And we go and we lay an egg and we barely escape with a win. And you're like, oh, it's a win. But still like, man, I feel horrible about who we are as a team right now. It's like, yeah. it's just such a week-to-week league. Anyone can beat anyone. Yeah,
1: they absolutely can.
0: Um, all right.
1: B-b-b- I mean, Buffalo, like, and, oh, that, oh, oh, by the way, then they get the Chiefs and the Cowboys. After that. Like, okay, so, you know, so, you know,
0: <laughs> they could very yeah, well be 500 at that point. I mean, y'all, y'all,
1: Y'all better get it fixed. You, you better figure out what's missing and get it fixed quick because the schedule is no joke for the Buffalo Bills. All right, let's yeah. do some rapid fire here. You ready? Uh, we mentioned the Dolphins. Uh, Tyreek Hill uh, got a taunting penalty for doing a backflip with the selfie. First of all, <laughs> coolest thing ever. And we've, How and, is uh, it? The NFL. The NFL UK account, the NFL UK account actually had the footage and they made him take it down, which I don't understand why. Like why? Oh. So the, the 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 question is in the rundown: is it a, is it justified or hogwash? Well, it's justified because it technically is a penalty because he used the prop, but I would say it's also
0: hogwash. So it's justifiable hogwash in my opinion. I loved it, justifiable hogwash. Just put that on the the, the tagline of the show because I agree. It's like. It's like, okay, look, the refs, I understand you're not wanting guys. We already talked about the penalty problems throughout the league. It's just like the refs are trying to run the show. Like, what is wrong with a phone and a backflip and a selfie. Like, like the it's league cool. wants ratings. Like, yeah. popcorn. Throw it at popcorn. I loved it. Everyone talked about it. It's yeah. cool. What are you doing? You're trying to take the fun out of play? You know how hard it is? Well, maybe yeah. not for Tyreek Hill, but you know how hard it is to, to <laughs> score a touchdown in the National yeah. Football League? Like, let him do a backflip if he wants to. with pop, Like, whatever. The, whole, the old T.O. days where he's bringing out Sharpies and hiding cell phones. Like, I want to see more of that.
1: Yeah, when Zeke was in the kettle for the Salvation Army and everybody got fined for that, also it doesn't make any sense to that's me. So absurd. yeah, I, yeah. Uh, in fact, I think that's the new title of the show or the subtitle: "Chasing It Justifiable Hogwash." I think that's what <laughs> that's the new that's the new subheading of the show I podcast: love it. "Chasing It Justifiable yes. Hogwash." Yes. All right, Frank Reich has given up play calling to coordinator Thomas Brown. Uh, what does that mean from a Bryce uh, from Bryce Young's perspective or a quarterback's perspective when the head coach is giving up play calling?
0: Well. Because Nick,
1: Nick Sirianni did yeah. this, and he realized yeah. it was too much. It was too much for him. And look, we've seen the offense go backwards in Dallas this year with Mike McCarthy as the head coach making the play calls as opposed to what Kellen yeah. Moore was. All the stats are down from last year.
0: I think it's a good, good situation for Thomas Brown to be in. And, and you, you saw the comments today early cited from, from Bryce Young. He's like, hey, I'm really excited about it. So I don't know if a change in the season – is going to make that big of a difference because I watched the. I actually broke down Bryce Young this week against the Dolphins and he played a lot better, um, but the offense just looks a little predictable at times. And now, does Thomas Brown, hey, does he have full say? You know, that's, that's what I want to know. Does he have full say to call whatever he wants and to install, or is Frank Reich still going to be a part of that? Which I think Frank Reich will still be a part of that. But it does, I mean, it is so difficult nowadays. There's only a certain handful of people that can do it. If you're an offensive play caller and you're the head coach, or you're a defensive play caller and you're the head coach, it, it, it changes drastically how you go about the week. Because if you're offensive, if you're a head coach and you're calling offensive plays like Frank Reich obviously was, your whole week is spent game planning. Okay, like, yeah. and if you're not fully committed to the game planning, it's gonna show on the field. I don't know if that's the case with that, but you also don't get to put in the amount of time you want with a special teams coordinator and the special teams of the defense. And that's sort of what was difficult. And I thought, like, uh, one of the few things I thought Brandon Staley did really well is he's a defense play caller, but he was with the offense a good bit and he's with special teams a bit. So it's always a weird dynamic for them to go in to do that. I don't know if you're gonna see a huge difference. In offense, though.
1: Yeah. Um, all right. This one's not on the list, but I'm calling an audible here. Uh, the Chiefs are 5-1. They've won five straight games after the opening yeah. s- season opening loss to Detroit. They get a broken Chargers team coming into Arrowhead this weekend. What's your level of concern for Kansas City's offense? Uh,
0: zero. Zero. <laughs> uh, yeah, Patrick Mahomes. Okay. It's Patrick Mahomes. You know that. It's Patrick Mahomes. I, do I get think that
1: they, yeah.
0: yeah. I think that they're really, really uh, excited. I mean, I know they're really excited about that defense over there. It's yeah. the best defense they've had since Five Mahomes mile. has been there. And it's not Five even miles. close. So they can have some time to figure this stuff out. I still go back. Okay, I don't say zero. The only concern I have is uh, I just wish they would have a true number one receiver. Other than yeah. Kelsey. Yeah. That that would make that would make it so much and I know they got away with it last year. I got it. But you go into the year with young guys, Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony, uh Justin Ro- like Rice, all, Christian Watts, like Rashi Rice, like all these guys. MVS is the guy, right? He's the number one. But like is just, he? I wish they would have just like, and that's just like trade deadline, like go out and get somebody, like just somebody else to to do something with. I don't know if they will, they probably won't. That's not how they work, but like it's just like that's my concern. as the number one receiver?
1: I think Rashi Rice is going to be that guy, but like MVS, yeah. like he was great in the AFC Championship game for them, but he has done nothing at that price.
0: No, nothing. Yeah, I
1: and I, I, it's it, in my opinion, it's beyond time for Justin Ross uh, to get more snaps ahead of Sky Moore because uh, we're I not agree. seeing anything. We're not seeing. It wouldn't be surprised me if if they try and see Michael uh, Hardman comes back, yeah, because that would give yeah. them a little something. But yeah, there's just a little something. I'm not too concerned about it, but. Look at the back end of their schedule. They're going to have to play better on offense uh, than they have been. Totally agree. And and speaking of that sort of segues to the last uh, rapid-fire segment question here. That was the 16th straight loss to the Kansas City Chiefs for the Denver Broncos. 16th straight. The Indianapolis Colts lost their ninth straight road game against Jacksonville. What is there a is there a mindset you have in the NFL as a player? Was there a team that you guys just couldn't beat? Someone you couldn't figure out? And how much does that mushroom into a thing? Because it's been 16 straight times the Denver Broncos yeah. have not beaten the Kansas City Chiefs, and nine straight times that the Indianapolis Colts uh, have have not been able to win on the road against the Jags. And you heard Robert Sala say it after the after they beat the Eagles. They had lost yeah. 12 straight times in the Jets history to the Eagles he said they ain't 12 and 0 anymore so it's clearly <laughs> something that they know
0: and are very aware of oh yeah oh yeah i mean i i think that it's definitely a thing i mean like like the Denver Broncos i mean i'm i'm pretty sure i was on the Chiefs when the last time the 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 Chiefs beat or the Broncos beat the Chiefs and it's just like that's wild to me because i was on the i was on the team 10 years ago like 9 mm-hmm. years ago and they still haven't it's just it is a mindset and i do think that in this league there's certain teams that just match up really really well with other teams and you're seeing it right there and it is it becomes a mindset and it don't don't tell me that it's not talked about during the week when you yeah. are in a team meeting you're like these guys have won 9 straight of course the coaches is, is for sure talking about it and and, and it just it's just like sometimes it, it is dumb luck sometimes, but the other times it's because yeah. every team changes every year. But the, the other time it's just like, Hey, it might be a head coach. Hey, I got your number, man. Like I, I got you. I know exactly what you do. It might be like the play design or the scheme, or it might just end up being the players. It's, it's an interesting dynamic to me, but I think the, the Denver Broncos not beating the chiefs, it was at 16 times. And that is is sixteen. like what eight full seasons. of not being, yeah, the and, what are we and doing? They, they get a, they get a
1: 17th crack at them in a week. Uh, oh, when, it. when uh, it could be, it, you know, and there could be massive changes coming in Denver as well. So we'll see yeah. what happens. All right, my man, always good to talk to you. And remember, we're going to change the name of the show going forward. Chasing it. Justifiable hogwash. We'll
0: see you next week. Justifiable hogwash. Thanks, guys.